I want to speak today about living one day at a time. Living one day at a time. And before I really kick off with this subject, I just want to say, just because I'm speaking on the subject doesn't mean I undermine any planning or strategy that's going on. I believe those are important things. In the first service, the person who manages my own situation was sitting in the service. He helps me do that planning. Glenn is here from Map for Life, and, and so I endorse that we, that we do what we can on the days God has given us to plan the best use of every day that God gives us. So I'm not undermining that in any way, and I think there are many people who need to do more planning. In fact, I think we've got to a situation where people need to plan for retirement, and they need to make sure they have enough provision, and planning is, a, is an important important part. So I'm not underestimating that at all, but I'm just wanting to give you a tool to help you day by day to grow in your faith. Living one day at a time. When we grew up, when I was growing up, at least um, with, my, with my mom and dad, man, we grew up in a time when there were so many things happening. It was a time when there were, there were certain words that were used. The word destiny, purpose, mission, vision. These were all things we believed in. And God was doing wonderful things. And we constantly expected that God would and in all, uh, could and in all likelihood would do wonderful things. I used to stand with my father at the window of his study and look out as cars would stream into church and we would stand there and just look. And my dad would say, it's a miracle. And I would go, it's a miracle? It's a miracle? It's a miracle. And so we grew up in this and, and uh, it was, a, it was a, a remarkable time and we would, we would walk around the church property and and we would imagine what God was going to do there, and, 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 and we, would, we would walk around and say, but that's a strategic property there. And you know that the church of Jesus Christ is an amazing thing. It's the chosen vessel. It outlasts anybody who puts in any effort. I mean, the founders, the disciples, are no longer with us today, but the church is strong. So to be involved in, in the work of the kingdom is a wonderful thing because you, you were aware that, you, that you're involved in a dimension that is eternal. You're aware of it and you know. And I know that the church will continue long after I'm here. I know. And so sometimes when I walk around on this church property, I can see in my in my spiritual eyes, I can see things that God wants to do, and I can see we need all the land down there, and I can see we need all the land over there, because I can see there's so many things, and, and there's another generation coming, and they're going to need land, and they're going to need facilities, and they're going to need to be able to have an effect on the community and on people for Jesus. And so we were, we were born with this, into this sense of destiny and this the sense of direction and it, 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 it was remarkable. And I don't, I, I, I celebrate it. And, and yet in the midst of all that, some things didn't go according to plan. 
Some things just didn't. In fact, today, 20 years ago, today, at about this very time, 20 years ago today, I buried my father. He had everything mapped out. He had a plan. It didn't all go according to plan. In fact, nine years ago today, my sister-in-law passed away and left my brother with three small children of two, four, and six years of age. And I honor my brother. He's a remarkable human being. Remarkable human being. That he could raise three small children by himself. But I discovered in all of that one of the, the great treasures, and that is this aspect of living one day at a time. And now, with what my family and I are facing, we too are learning that in, in the midst of all the purpose and the plans of God, there's this precious treasure of living one day at a time. There's this precious treasure. And life keeps directing us away. It doesn't want us to enjoy the moment. It keeps directing us away. It says, oh, but what about that's going to happen? And what about that that happened? And it keeps directing us away so that this moment can, is lost. Right now, probably your mind is uh, lunch and this and then the tennis and then the cricket. And then the, it's probably, it's directing all the time to miss this, to miss this moment. And I enjoy the tennis and the cricket. <laughs> the issue is that there's, there's one issue that leads to another, and then the urgent takes the place of the important. And sometimes we can even wish time away. I hear people saying, I'm just killing a bit of time. That's all you have. I don't personally use that term. Because it's that moment that I have. And we have an approach that maybe when we're done with this, we'll start enjoying life. And I've also discovered that living one day at a time, it's not easy, especially not for me, it's not easy. I don't find it easy. I find it much easier to look out and, and to be able to have a vision and, 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 and see what God wants to do. I, I find that easier than the living one day at a time. But it's the recipe he has given us for our lives. There's an old hymn that says these words. It says, moment by moment, I'm kept in his love. Moment by moment, I have life from above Looking to Jesus till glory doth shine, moment by moment, O Lord, I am thine. That's how we have to live. It was Michael Cassidy who told us how that in his diary, I suppose it's in the days when you had written diaries, I don't know, maybe he still has a written diary. But he said he would always, at the beginning of the year, write in front of the diary, there are only two days in my life, this day and that day. This day that I have 
and that day that I will see him face to face. And I believe that's the way we should live our lives, and this is how we are called to live our lives. My first point is about living in the past, and that's why I've got the suitcase here, because doesn't this just look like the past? Doesn't it just give you that sense of security? I mean, it's strong and it's ugly and it's, and it's beautiful and it's, and we know what's in it. All our good old days, our precious memories, all the wonderful things. It's, it's, it's all in here. By the way, this suitcase, let me give you a bit of a history lesson. This suitcase, my uncle recently turned 80. That's my mother's brother-in-law. Recently turned 80. And his father immigrated to South Africa around 1900. He came via ship, and this was his luggage. That's all. Now, in our family, this would be suitable for the makeup. <laughs> we actually need, who of you saw the movie Titanic and don't? But in the Titanic, did you see how they do the luggage? They have cranes that lift it and put it on board. And they would, anyway, that's, but it's the past. And some people live in the past. Maybe you know somebody who lives in the past. They can tell you about dates and times and things they went through, much like I've just done. <laughs> and, they, and they live in the past. They, they have all those memories and they live, they live here. But what does God say? God says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. It's not that easy. And I don't know why God chose such strong words. He didn't say, you know, um, do not remember too often. He says, forget. But the problem is that sometimes it, it's too much and, 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 and we live there in the past and I don't believe God wants us to live there. And li living in the past is not the way God designed you to live. We're told to be radical, this, this forgetting and not dwelling. Dwelling is living. Sometimes people live there. You might be in a situation where you are living in a house where you should not be living because it's part of the past, but you can't let go. I don't But we must, we must live looking forward, forward to the wonderful things he has planned. The very next verse says, see, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness. And then Jeremiah 29 says, for I know the plans I have for you. Don't worry about that. It, with all its treasure, don't worry about that. There are others who, who live in the future. This is the future. That's the future. 
By the way, this one is marked very clearly here that it's fragile. <laughs> and it generally is. This one has no markings. It doesn't say anything. Because it's unknown and it's not guaranteed. And we don't really know. Sometimes God can give us a glimpse. We can maybe have a prophetic word or there can be a promise or um, like the Bible says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto our path. There's, there's maybe a, a glimpse, but it's the future. It's out there. And some people, they, they want to live in the future. If I could, maybe I would just uh, get inside, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Although they got me a big enough box. Um, some people, want to, they want to live here. They want to live in the future. And they'll say things like, well, when I'm finished school, oh, it's going to be wonderful. <laughs> they don't want to live here. School's... When, I'm, when I've got my degree, he, I'm out of here. You know, other people will come along and they'll say, oh, when I get married, oh, oh it's going to be so wonderful. Wait. Others will say, well, can I, I can just get away. Never, never mind. <laughs> Others will say, oh, when I've got children, my life's going to be complete. Oh, yeah, just give me some children. Yo, yo, yo. <laughs> I once heard somebody say, God should never have even invented children because our hearts were not designed to live outside our bodies. <laughs> Other people will say, oh, Dear God, when the children are out the house. <laughs> and then they go home to empty nest syndrome. Others will say, oh, when I retire. Oh, yeah, that's, that's going to be it. You know, they, they live in the future. Everything's happening there. And every moment is just going away. The moments are passing. There are other people, they want to drag the cares and concerns of the future into the present. They want to carry it around. And everybody says, you look a bit odd. And they say, I'm looking perfectly fine, man. Can't you see? And then they really, they want, they want, they want to carry it. Because I don't, I don't know what, I'll do it African style. <laughs> And we want to drag the cares of tomorrow into today. I did that for a reason. I don't want you to forget it. Because we can't live in the future. We can't live out there. We have to live here, day by day. My third point is that day by day, God will provide. And I'd like you to open up your Bibles and turn to Exodus chapter 16. Exodus chapter 16 is a beautiful story of the nation of Israel and how God provided for them. But it also gives us a clue as to how God works. So Exodus chapter 16, and I'm going to start reading from verse 4. Now the, the Israelites had been moaning about the condition and they'd wanted meat and 
they had a different idea of what uh, uh, emancipation meant, and now they were stuck in a desert, and so they were moaning. And um, there is a key word that you'll pick up throughout the reading from verse 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Raining down bread from heaven. I mean, that's the way to live, eh? Just raining down bread from heaven. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them. Day by day is the test we have to pass. Not year by year or month by month, just day by day. And see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in, and that is to be twice as much as they gathered on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord. Do you know, we should live that each morning we anticipate seeing the glory of the Lord with each sunrise. Because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread you want in the morning. Because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but against the Lord. And Moses told Aaron, say to the entire Israelite community, come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked towards the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. Now, just, just stop here for a moment. The atmosphere is one of grumbling, and yet God still shows his glory. So it's all right. If you've been grumbling a bit, it's all right. If there's been a bit of an internal struggle, he'll still show his glory. Isn't that just God? Just a remarkable thing. Verse 11, the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is this? For they did, know, did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded you. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omar. Now, an omar is a, a weight, about 1.2 kg. It's, it's not a box of rusks. Take an omar for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And then they measured it by the omar. And one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered as much as they needed. And you and I have to gather as much as we need from each and every day. We've got to take out of life as much as we, can, as much as we need. 
And Moses said to them, No one is to keep it until the morning. However, some of them paid it. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. Isn't it interesting? There's always those people. There's always somebody. God will say this, they've got to go that way. I don't know, but don't be one of them. It's none of us. And it says, no one is to keep it. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses, so they kept part of it until the morning. But by the morning, it was full of maggots, and it began to smell, and Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. It's almost like there comes a time in the day when the blessing of that day is gone. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much, two omars for each person, and the leaders of the community came and reported this to Moses. He said to them, this is what the Lord commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of rest, a holy day to the Lord. So bake what you want to bake and boil what you want to boil. Save whatever is left and keep it until morning. So they saved it until morning as Moses commandment, commanded, and it did not stink or get maggots. Eat it today, Moses said, because today is the Sabbath of the Lord, and you, will and you will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you are to gather, but on the seventh day, Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, here we go again, some of the people went out again on the seventh to gather it. Ay, 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 ay. But they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my instructions? Bear in mind that the Lord has given you the Sabbath. That is why on the sixth day he gives you bread for two days. Everyone is to stay there where they are on the seventh day. No one is to go out. So the people rested on the seventh day. Verse 34. As the Lord commanded Moses, Aaron put manna from with the tablets of the covenant so that they might be preserved. And then it says in verse 35, the Israelites, Israelites ate manna for 40 years. For 40 years. Just by the way, um, the, the Hebrew phrase, what is it, sounds like manna. That's what it sounds like, and that's where the name came from for the substance manner. But it's interesting that God provided day by day. Each day. They couldn't go and collect today for tomorrow because when they got there, it was no good. They couldn't do that. They had to use what God gave them today. There is something in the human heart that causes us to want to hoard. Have you ever met a hoarder, somebody who hoards? It, I mean, they hoard. I'm, I, I'm intrigued by it. Sometimes they have these programs on television where they're hoarders. Have you ever seen it? And isn't it amazing that most of the stuff they hoard is useless? I mean, have you, I, mean I saw the one lady was hoarding wrappers from the takeaway stores. I mean, well, how do you do that? I saw another lady hoarding dust bunnies. Do you know what dust bunnies are? It's those little bits of dust that collect in the corners. She would collect them and hoard them. And, and there's something in us that wants to hoard. There's something in us that wants to grab everything and then keep it for today because tomorrow maybe there's none. There's something, there's something in us and it's birthed out of fear. The fear that God won't be faithful. 
Fear that when I get up tomorrow morning, there's not going to be any manna out there. And the antidote is trusting. It's just trusting that tomorrow there will be more manna. Just as God said. That's the antidote. The funny thing is that when it comes to the things of God, it's then that we're allowed to store up. Because they were allowed to store up before the Sabbath. And Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust decay and where thieves break and steal. But store up, he tells us to do it, for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So when it comes to the things of God, store them up. Store Point number four, the daily benefits that God wants to provide. It's in Psalm 68 and verse 19, if you'd like to turn there. It's just a short verse, so I can just read it to you. Psalm 68 and verse 19, it says, Blessed be the Lord, who daily loads us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. Isn't that beautiful? Blessed be the Lord, who daily loads us with benefits. Does it say, blessed be the Lord who annually? Does it say, blessed be the Lord who on Christmas Day? No, it says, blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with what? Benefits. What are benefits? Psalm 103 tells us what benefits are. May I turn there quickly? I wasn't planning to do that, but I think it's Psalm 103, isn't it? It's a beautiful scripture that speaks about the benefits. Yeah, it does. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Isn't that beautiful? He wants to load those benefits on you daily, not as you sit here in the past or as you sit out here waiting for another season. Now, he wants to load you with those benefits. He will provide those benefits. He wants to load them onto you. It's not, it's not small. By the time you've loaded it onto to somebody, I tell you, while, we, while we've been going through what we've been going through, some people have been kind enough to make us food and they have loaded us with benefits. Oh, I can tell you that. And I tell you, it's, it's when God loads those benefits, it's unbelievable. Point number five, there's a link between strength and days. There's a link. Deuteronomy 33 and verse 25 says, And as your days, so shall your strength be. For each day he will provide the strength. Days and strength go hand in hand. Not weeks and strength, months and strength, years and strength, but days and strength. And each day we need his fresh mercy, his fresh grace to carry us through. Day by day, we are designed to be able to manage anything that comes in one day. 
We can manage even the heaviest load if it's just for one day. Tomorrow is unknown. It's not guaranteed. There's no strength provided for that. But if tomorrow comes, the strength will come with it for that day. Years ago, Robert Schuller preached a message. He had a near-death experience. And while traveling on a plane, if I remember correctly, underwent a heart attack. And after that, he wrote the message and he entitled it, How Sweet It Is to Stand on the Edge of Tomorrow. And we all stand on the edge of tomorrow, but we live in today. And that's where we've got to, where we've got to make our peace. That's where we've got to say, God, would you help us? Point number six, one day at a time, a pattern for God and also a pattern for us. One day at a time, God's pattern and our pattern. You see, when God came and created the Garden of Eden, you can go and read about it in Genesis chapter one. In verse five, it says, God called the light day and the darkness night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. So God worked in these compartments that we call days. And you and I should live in the same way. Every aspect of creation was wrapped up a day at a time. Each day would have a beginning and an end. Each day is like a life of its own. Let me just stop here for a moment. Each day is like a life of its own. When you wake up in the morning, it's like you are being born. It's a new day. Everything is new. You go through the day, and when you lie down, it's almost as if you are no longer there, and we sleep. We cover ourselves, and we sleep, almost as in death. And during that time, God strengthens us, and we wake up again. There's no guarantee we'll wake up, but we do. We wake up again, and there's the next day. How beautiful is that? It's not just a, another day. It's a, another gift, another day from the Lord. And we've been speaking about building up our most holy faith. That's been our theme for this year. And I want to tell you, you want to build up your most holy faith, start living one day at a time. Just trust the Lord for today. If you're battling an addiction, just trust the Lord to give you the strength just for today. Just get through it today without touching that stuff. It's when we tell people, listen, you must never touch those drugs again. They just, huh? You're crazy. But if you say, can you, can you manage it today? Can you do it? Yes. Okay. That's all we need to worry about. Let's get through today. And so it was, it was God's pattern, and it should be our pattern. And it will build up our faith if we do that. Do the bit of God's will, will that he intended for you to do today. Do the bit of God's will that he intended for you to do today. Serve God wholeheartedly. Receive his daily mercies. Look out for the daily miracles. Look out for the 
treasures in the darkness. Look out for them. They're there. Don't miss them. Don't miss them. Each day is an opportunity to be taken and harnessed and celebrated. Lastly, my question is, what did, Je- what did Jesus say about this? I always like to know what Jesus said about a subject. You can turn to Matthew 6, verse 34, while we just chat about this. But what does Jesus say? What is, is his advice to us? I mean, he was our example. In Matthew 6 and verse 34, it says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow. It's almost impossible. But it must be possible because he told us to do it. It must be possible because he said we can. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I like the older version. It says, take no thought of tomorrow. Take no thought. That's a bit more direct. Take no thought. And we live in a world that's dominated by fear and anxiety and depression and stress. And and all of this relates to the future. Living in the future. What will it be like then? And the Lord's advice to us is is not to be concerned about that. Each day has its own requirements, its own needs, its own pressures, its own successes, its own joys, and its own griefs. And God will give us the strength we need for the day and for all he places in that day, in his purpose and plan to work all things out for your good. Charles Kingsley wrote the following. He said, do today's duty today. Fight today's today's temptation. And do not weaken and distract yourself by looking forward to the things we cannot see and could not understand even if we saw them. And then lastly, Jesus says in earlier on in that very same chapter, Matthew 6 and verse 11, he says, and he taught us how to pray, give us this day our daily And so I wanted to encourage you today, not to miss the moment, not to live in the past or in the future, just to live in the moment. With what we've been going through, days have sometimes been tough. And I remember writing to my brother Peter and saying, It feels like we're under attack today. He wrote back to me and he said, well, then you go one hour by one hour. I want to tell you, you go one hour by one hour. Sometimes you will go moment by moment. Sometimes hour by hour. I promise you his strength will get you through the day. And you will come out the other side and have faith, faith for tomorrow. Faith for 
his faithfulness. Faith knowing that you don't have to worry where that manner or how that manner works. It'll be there. His, his, his grace and his mercy will be there. And we can be so thankful for that. Would you stand with me as I pray for you? Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And, and firstly, Lord, we just want to say we, we're so sorry for sometimes just living in the past. We acknowledge that there are many things that we treasure from the past. And we're so thankful for. At the same time, Lord, we, we, re, we repent of living in the future. When we, when we, if we, how, we, we Lord, we're sorry about that. We know that that is in your hands. Thank you, Lord, that you have been our help in ages past. You are our hope for years to come. But here we are in this moment, this divine moment. The one moment we are sure of. And we can say, Lord, we state our dependency on you. We place our hands into your hands. And we say, Lord, make us men and women of faith. Faith for today. Faith for the strength we need for each and every day. Knowing that you are in control. And we trust you in this regard. And we pray that as each day is born in our lives, that it would be like we live again. As we lay ourselves down to sleep each night, that we will say, it is good. We look forward to what you have prepared for us. And may we never doubt your faithfulness or allow fear to grip us to the point where we cannot function because we are trusting, we are taking the antidote for the venom of fear and that is to trust you. And we declare our trust and hope in you today regardless of circumstances, regardless of what we may see with our eyes. We look to you with full hope and confidence and we know that moment by moment, you are with us. Now I pray your blessing on your people. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face just to radiantly shine upon you. May he fill you with, your, with his peace as you build your most holy faith. And you do that as you trust him day by day. And we thank you, Lord, that we can do this. We commit ourselves into your hands. We rest in the everlasting arms. And we thank you that you are in control of all things and we are at rest. And we ask for it all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.